podcast led by two dudes who aren't quite yet in their 40s, but who do have a lot of adult responsibilities and obligations, and yet, and yet we still find time, Tom, for our nerdy pastimes. Uh, as always, I'm Ben, and I'm joined by my co-host, Bones, Mr. Tom Bones. Bonjour, so that was, that was a very good accent. Hang on. I, it was uh, just set to French by default. Sorry. Oh, oh okay. Hold on. Why don't, let me set it to Spanish. Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh, I guess the Spanish setting is broken. I'll try Russian. Oh, oh me? I'm oh, sorry. Oh, back to Spanish. There we go. <laughs> it's been a long time since high school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Of mm-hmm. course, this is our podcast about all things nerddom. Right. Uh, we do call it 40 Cray, but as we often like to say, it doesn't matter what your fandom, we're your tandem. Which is, which, you know, it's cheesy, but whatever. I like it. So uh, <laughs> today, smile. what'd you say? Made me smile. Made you smile? That's all. That, Tom, if I made you smile, my life was <laughs> worth living today. All right. Uh, so, so anyway, today uh, we're taking a slightly less 40k centric look at things. You know, Tom, like you and I are, are really into our Warhammer. We love it, but we also love a lot of other things: video games, uh, role playing. And today, I thought it'd be kind of fun to take a moment and reflect on all the things that you and I have learned over the years through our numerous uh, role playing <laughs> campaigns, mostly Dungeons and Dragons. But we've yeah. we've made some mistakes along the way. I would say. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of rules to keep straight, much like 40k. A lot of rules, a lot of like you know people dynamics too. I think more so than 40k, where you kind of just like have an opponent and like D and D and and other role playing games. But let's be honest, we're talking about D and D. You have to be able to function as a team. It's a lot more collaborative. Mm-hmm. So I think there's also a lot of things I've learned about how to make that whole situation work. So today we're doing top five lessons from Ben and Tom on how to have a really fun role-playing experience. Right. Uh, and again, we're, we're kind of D&D guys, but we've, we've dabbled with Wrath and Glory in the 40K set before, and I think all of my rules would apply to that. Yeah. All right. You guys asked for it, the listeners, so here it is. I should specify, by the way, nobody has actually requested anything. <laughs> So, that so is an outright lie. It's an outright lie. I am. I am completely. It's a complete falsehood. But listen, guys. Um, you know, part of the reason we do this is we just love this stuff. We really enjoy some of these hobbies. If there's something you're passionate about or that you'd like us to talk about, like shoot us a note. You'll, we're not going to make fun of you. Uh, I mean, you should meet us. Like we're. You're going to make fun of us probably. <laughs> Nerd. Exactly. So with that, Tom, our top five things to do to make your role-playing sessions more fun. What's your number five? Actually, Um, hold up. Before we even get into the list, I got ahead of myself. We should talk about our – like, why are we – what qualifies us to talk about this? Tom, Tom, can you talk a little bit about your history with, like, D&D and role-playing? Jeez, how long did we play that that campaign? It was Um, at least a year and a half. At least a year and a half. And we only made it, like, what, level seven, eight? <laughs> we weren't very good. <laughs> we had fun. Uh, yeah, so at this point, I'm uh, much more uh, experienced as a DM as opposed to a player. 
So a, a lot of the things on my list are, are going to be geared towards DMing. But yeah, it's a blast. Just coming up with a campaign and weaving a story for your players to navigate through. And, and I've noticed, like, Tom, you're a really good DM who oh. doesn't just, yeah, oh, <laughs> you suck, Tom. <laughs> you're terrible. No, but, but you know, it's not just uh, DMing where you're pulling campaigns off the web. You know, there's a lot of great resources where you can buy, like, campaign material or one-offs. You actually make your entire world and everything in it from scratch pretty much. Yeah, I read the story. So, so like, I think I've seen you had like an entire uh, like steno notebook full of dialogue and notes and world building. So, so people listening, like Tom, is very serious about DMing. You can see, well, you at home can't see, but I'm on the Skype call. I'm going to show Ben. Oh my gosh! Wow. So, so let me try to describe what I see at home. It looks like either an abstract uh, drawing that you might see from like an M.C. Escher type uh, artist, but it's, it's a very well drawn out and labeled, clearly dungeon map. Yeah. And I, it's like an entire notebook full. He's showing me full of these like illustrations and notes. That is dedication, man. How many hours do you do you think you typically spend getting ready for a campaign like this one? Um. I, well, the uh, on roll twenty, it actually keeps a log of how long you've played, um, and that includes like me as a DM going in and creating the maps and everything, and it sort of like accumulates the time. So I think before we even had our first session, it was up to like twenty hours. Okay, well, there you go. So it's basically a part-time job at this point. <laughs> <laughs> in addition to having a full-time job and being a father and husband. Right. Well, so Tom, you're a DM. I've, I've DM'd before. I've not actually created... Well, that's not true. I did create my own campaign once, but nowhere near as well thought out as yours. I was kind of just winging it um, for fun. I, I have DM'd like probably a dozen one-offs uh, and, and kind of short sessions. I've also played in probably like two two dozen different campaigns or, or DM mm-hmm. sessions. It, as an adult, like as a kid, I played some too. So so we're coming from places of having a lot of experiences, both good and bad. <laughs> uh, not really bad, but good and less fun. Uh, mm-hmm. But also both sides of the table as a DM and a player. Right. All right, that's. I think that's an intro. Tom, take it away. <laughs> Top five tips for the listeners. What's your number five tip? Okay, I'm just gonna get the the trite uh, one out of the way, so there's no buildup. But rule zero, right? It, it's obligatory. It's got to be on the list. So in the Dungeon Master's guidebook, right, it has all the all the rules for how to build worlds and all the resources you need to run a campaign but then above all there's rule zero which is just have fun so it's basically if there's uh, any part of the book that you disagree with that you don't want to use in your campaign because you don't think it'll be fun don't do it come up with your own thing uh, because it's a game you know that you're meant to to enjoy what you're doing Um, and I think that you know that's First and foremost, uh, the golden rule, I guess. 
So I love that rule zero. And I'm actually, I'm going to bring my number five out because I think it aligns really well with that one and we can kind of discuss them together. Mm-hmm. Mine is if you're DM, uh, don't be a hard ass. Like if your <laughs> players are coming up with something that's interesting to them and it's creative, find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. And that goes exactly with the have fun. You know, if you have this amazing monster that you created and they say, okay, well, I'm going to trip it and then. I want to, you know, dig a hole in the floor and I want it to fall through the hole. You know, it's stupid, but but if that's their imagination and that's what they want to do, come up with a way to make it possible. Like, okay, fine. If you roll two 20s in a row on a strength check and an acrobatics check, then I'll let it work. You know what I mean? Give them the, the feeling like they actually have agency over what they're doing. And I think that mm-hmm. exactly aligns with what you're saying, Tom. Yeah. Um, yeah, as a DM, you can... There's, you can plan for a lot uh, and, you know, have everything structured, you know, what PCs you know, ha- have dialogue, what, you know, everyone's going to be saying to you when you meet them. And then you might never get to use that because your players decide they want to do something else or they might do something that you haven't planned for and you have to improv the whole session. You know, you just got to roll with the punches. And, you know, I think that's I, I find that fun. And I feel like when you do roll with the punches, that creates some of the best memories and experiences <laughs> that you have, right? Right. Just start winging it and then just let it let it flow. So, so like one sticks out to me, and you were in this campaign. You and I were both players in this one. Um, and I'll, I'll give my example, and I'm sure you've you've probably got some of where this really worked out. The one for me was we were uh, I forgot the exact situation, but you and I were like in a party fighting at the docks against like one of the big bats. <laughs> You remember, yeah, you remember where this is going? As soon as you said at the docks, yeah. So, so I was this uh, war-forged monk who was a little bit of a sociopath, but he was like a nice sociopath. Everyone. And that's right, that's right. And I, what happened is, okay, so so I, I think I jumped into the... Um, you heard knocked like, into the water. I was, an that's it. Or something. <laughs> that's, so I was knocked into the water and we figured, well, I'm a, I'm a warforged. So I made of, you know, like metal and wood. So I would sink, <laughs> I guess, I guess wood floats, but you know, it's whatever. It's not like aerodynamic. So I felt, is aerodynamic? Is it, is it different? Hydrodynamic. hydrodynamic? Okay. Yeah. Immediately Tom gave me a look like that's not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't hydrodynamic, Tom. We're very erudite <laughs> in this, uh, erudite, uh, Fuck, now I just messed up the words again. I can't read or write, people. So I fell in the water. I was at the bottom of this this body of water, and I couldn't figure out, like, how am I going to swim to the top? Because I think in that setting, like, Warforge were really bad at swimming. So I said, I had animal handling. And I think I had either, like, comprehend languages or talk to animals or some kind of animal friendship thing. So I said, can I roll to see if I find a friendly dolphin? <laughs> And I remember the DM looked at me. He's like, all right, sure, roll. If you get, you know, and I rolled like a 19 or a 20 and, and everyone was like cheering. And I think he could kind of feel, all right, let's see where this goes. So I rolled to get a, a friendly dolphin. And I said, I want to have the dolphin like do one of those things they do at SeaWorld where they shoot out of the air with me attached. And then Holding I want to use dorsal fin. Exactly. I'm going to hold on to his dorsal <laughs> fin and I want to go into the air and then do a, a Macho Man Randy Savage elbow drop. <laughs> onto the bad guy and i rolled like amazing and he made it work and that is the only thing i remember from that campaign yeah the dice were with you that day 
Man, that was fun. But I, so that's my memory, you know, using a friendly dolphin as leverage so I could launch into the sky and then elbow drop like an evil warlock dwarf of some kind. And he, he let me do it. Is there like an example that stands out to you of a time where you just kind of like let things happen and it turned out? Uh, nothing that crazy, but um, I, I remember uh, one that stands out from the campaign that, that we did for a long time. Um when we went to, so the one character was a, Will's character was a tabaxi, uh, like surfer dude. <laughs> kind of thing. That's right. Uh, so when they went to his hometown at one point, and uh, I, I, I honestly, I had no idea how that was going to run. I know where you're going with this. That was so, I, I remember my mouth, okay, I don't want to spoil it, go ahead. My mouth was open for like 10 minutes at this, though. Uh, so, everyone, uh, yeah, everyone there was just like, like a, a traditional surfer dude, and I, we just had this whole big conversation. Uh, like, uh, yeah, uh, it was, yeah, that no, was fun. So, so basically, like, like, the reason why this ended up being so good is because when we were... Something we'll talk about later is we like to RP when we're playing. So we all do voices. We all have really defined characters. And this guy who was playing this guy had a really good, you know, stereotypical, like, California, like, hey, dude, like, (laughs) that was awesome. I caught those waves. And then I totally, like, took on that goblin. It was, like, radical, man. And, Tom, I didn't know you could do that accent, too. But it was like a mirror match where he was saying all these like 90s surfer references and then you were saying them all back to him. <laughs> and I, I don't think that was the character you had in mind either for that NPC, no. right? Yeah, that's, it was, I didn't even know we were going to go there at the, at the time. You know, it just happened. And uh, I said, ah, let's, let's roll it. Uh, mahalo. All right. All right. All right. I like your vibe, man. We're totally vibing. <laughs> So, like, we're looking for a copper dragon? <laughs> uh, that was weird. Yeah, it was, but it was, it was, and I think, like, that says, too, like, in that moment, what was more more important was not moving the story forward. Mm. It was that character development and that world-building moment. And <laughs> you're right. Like, I think you just kind of saw that and just kind of went with it. Uh, so, so I guess our both of ours like have fun, be creative, let the players be creative, and uh, remember it's it's collaborative storytelling. Even if you own it, find a way to to help them envision the the world too. Mm-hmm. Man, we're vibing here. All right, what's your, Tom? What's your number four? Uh, so that kind of actually goes into my next one. Uh, I just have written down here. Yes, and <laughs> that's my number four too. <laughs> I literally just wrote yes and. So and it pretty much is what we were just talking about, you know. Don't when your players want to do something, don't tell them no. You know, just yes, and this is what happens. Or yeah, roll for it. You know, see if you can pull it off. Obviously, if it's something impossible, like I want to flap my arms so hard I fly, you know, you gotta rein it in a little bit. But you know, if you want to shit, if you want to even stop the campaign and open up a blacksmith, and you know, <laughs> that's what. <laughs> If that's what you want to do, fine. If I can make up customers. <laughs> yeah, I will say, I mean, we do that kind of kind of stuff a lot um, in our various campaigns where we get sidetracked, but if it's fun, like at the end of the day, like you're looking for something to do as a group and kind of interact with people and, and escape a little bit, right? Like do something that's not everyday 
you know, wear and tear of our jobs and lives. For me, the, the yes and I, from the player perspective. Mm-hmm. So uh, one thing to keep in mind is when you are creating a character and embodying that character, there are ways that you can play them that magnify what other people do and ways you can play them that completely restrict how other people can act out. Mm-hmm. So a great example, um, I had a, a campaign I was playing recently that, that wasn't super fun for a few <laughs> reasons, but one of them, there was one character whose character, or one guy whose, whose persona was he was like this damaged, like really dark, you know, mean guy who was always cynical and angry and he would never go along with what you wanted to do. And I'm sure like in a book or a novel, that would be a really interesting character. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing D&D, you know, uh, that's that's really selfish. Like I, I did improv comedy, Tom, as you know, not really well for, for years. Um, not really well as in the, the comedy, not Tom not knowing. And, you know, there's a certain code where the person who everyone values the most is the, the team member who gets up and sets up other people. And the one who everyone doesn't want to go with is the person who just steals every scene. Even if they're hilarious, it's no fun because you don't have a chance to express yourself. And if you've got a character who's like always going to disagree with people or always going to do their own thing, you are inherently not able to yes and. Right. So, so when you're creating a character, when you're playing a role, like think about how am I going to use whatever personality I want to portray in a way that builds out other people and gives them opportunities to react and do cool things. Like any examples, Tom, of like a time when like you were tempted to not go along with something, but you ended up going along with it or where we, where we magnified something. Well, you know, there's times that people get sidetracked or they want to dick around a lot. Um, but I feel like you have less patience for that. So like, I don't have to police it because I know eventually you're going to get bored and then, <laughs> Start putting people back on the right track. So I just kind of let you do whatever you want. Well, one that occurs to me, I remember, so you had an NPC who was a major player in our campaign named Theris. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know nobody at home is going to know who that is. Basically, he's like a uh, <laughs> mysterious elf guy who runs a fortress of, you know, take good guys, right? Like they're the guys who are like fighting mm-hmm. the big bad and he's super cool, and he's you know he's like very competent, and, but he's he's also got that kind of like I'm I'm a little vulnerable or wounded. And we had um, a person playing a female character, and they kind of just made romantic overtures to each other, <laughs> like in a really subtle way though. It wasn't like oh I love you. It was like they just kind of bonded because both both of the characters' backstories were kind of similar. And there was this like really touching moment where I think you gave an offer. Right. Like in the comedy, the term offer is like, hey, here's an idea. You can take it and play with it Mm -hmm. that they would bond over it. I think she just took it and ran with it. And kind of like the surfer dude, you had like a 20 minute conversation. So I I like to build on stuff like that. Like um, if something really cool uh, in the session, we go down a really cool path. uh, I'm always thinking, like, how can I. Uh, have that affect the greater story like can I circle back on this at some point and uh, you know obviously if it's if other characters involved I want to make sure that you know they're on board and that's cool Uh, but yeah that that, uh, I regret not finishing that that campaign out because that would have been a really cool uh, end to the to the story arc what the two of them getting together 
yeah, just the whole uh, how that would have played out, I think would have been uh, would have been cool. I don't think I don't see that um, dynamic happening with any of the characters in this campaign, but that's not to say it's not going to be just as cool. Just I think it would be a little more impactful. Yeah, that was an interesting one too, because we also had um, a player who is straight playing a LGBT character. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a really like interesting way, like it kind of surprised me because it was it was a very authentic portrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, I mean, you know, I guess as much as it can be for somebody who isn't of that like identity, but like he tried really like to make it a really believable, really relatable character, and, and really took it to heart. Right. And uh, you know, I almost said like in this campaign, you like we don't know what the alignments of our characters are, so it could happen. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's a mostly male group with with one female character, but like you know, who knows how things are gonna go. Right. I think uh, I think Ferris Pineapple is secretly <laughs> into Dando. I think that's why he's so mean to Dando. <laughs> it's like the pull your hair, kick dirt on you on the playground situation. I, that'd be a great face turn. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It seems like Dando is into Mulberry. Uh, yeah. For sure. And by, I know, by the way, but people, we're not going to explain these characters. Don't worry about it. Mulberries are a uh, tiefling bard who is a combination of like Pinkie Pie and a Midwest United States like soccer mom. She's, she's pretty awesome. And Dando is a diminutive, well, I mean, he's a gnome. So he's a diminutive gnome uh, wizard guy who's just got like, he's a deep gnome with, with a lot of insecurities. <laughs> Maybe that maybe that's a good segue to my number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I think I will, I'll have surpassed you, but um, good characters. Like if you want to make a really good character, make them have a flaw and something that they're trying to to fulfill or improve about themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you just have a good character who's good at everything and they're just kind of like you know an interest like a tough guy or a superhero, you're not going to have as much fun as if you make somebody who's really quite uh, broken up or, or has something that they're trying to fix about themselves because then they're imperfect and that enables them to connect with others a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I um, I find myself drawn to anti-heroes just because, you know, that's not the traditional cookie cutter, you know, Superman type. You know, it's the, the guy that you really shouldn't be rooting for. Uh, but, you know, just just looking to do good and even though he has his flaws and i mean it's it's kind of the same reason why like spider-man became such a big phenomenon at a time when he did because like all the other superheroes were you know i like, think like superman he's so powerful like he's there's mm-hmm. it's hard to relate to him whereas yeah. spider-man i think he came out and I, people are going to crush me in the comments here because <laughs> i don't remember why i was either i think it was the 60s but i'm going to look it up while we're talking <laughs> But he was a kid with problems, you know, and it was like relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in the same way, if you have a character who's a super awesome fighter, mm-hmm. yeah, 1962. Okay, good. So nobody's going to kill me. Sorry, <laughs> Spider-Man fans. But if you have a character who's like a really good fighter, but is like really self-conscious because maybe, you know, they're not very good at, at uh, reading mm-hmm. or something, or, or they have a secret shame related to, um something about themselves that they're not happy with like that makes them a human 
or whatever race, but human in meaning like relatable and you can actually have them drive toward actions and have a hero's journey. Right. I think uh, if I if I let you bash Superman, then uh, my friend Kevin is not going to let me live down. He's a huge Superman fan, so i got to defend him a little bit. Um, so yeah, Superman is indestructible. You know, Nobody can beat him uh, because he's intentionally meant to be Christ-like. And uh, his greatest stories are uh, moral in nature. So it's more of a, uh, a mental struggle that he has because obviously he can't be hurt. Uh, so you got to take the psychological route uh, in that respect. So, so that's an interesting take and not where I thought you were going to go. <laughs> Because I thought you were going to say, like, actually, Superman is vulnerable. I'm thinking of, like, Superman Red Sun. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with, uh, was it, like, a graphic novel or a series or something? Yeah, yeah, when he lands in uh, Soviet Russia. Yeah, so instead of landing in Kansas with the uh, the Kents, he lands in Soviet Russia and becomes, like, you know, the like principal manifestation of, I guess, like, whatever the pure uh, communist moral what's the word I'm looking for? Like Paragon would have been. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I, I don't know. Do you remember the storyline at all? Uh, not well enough. I, I know Lex Luthor ends up being the president of the United States. And he's like, you know, very effective and powerful. Or he's either the president or like a very powerful corporate head. Mm-hmm. And he writes a message on a piece of paper. This is huge spoilers, by the way. So if you <laughs> haven't seen this and you want to skip ahead like 30 seconds. But he writes a, uh, a message on a piece of paper and tells Superman, like, hey, if you read this, this will destroy you, and gives it to Superman. And uh, throughout the story, like, Superman struggles to come to terms with the fact that he's immortal, but all his, the people he cares about aren't. Hmm. And at one point, I think he tries to rescue a civilization by shrinking them and, and putting them in some kind of protective case. And Lex Luthor's message ends up reading, well, why don't you put the whole world in a bottle? You know, symbolizing that like you you can't save everybody, you can't control them all, and still allow them to have free will and everything, right. and that that does destroy him. So yes, okay, Superman, we're not going to shit on him all the time. <laughs> I'm just mad like that movie from like 2004 with Kevin Spacey. <laughs> That's me spitting at Kevin Spacey. Um, he just like lifts an island into space, and that pissed me off. The dude with the really long nails. Is that Superman four? Oh yeah, yeah. Was it the one with Richard Pryor? Probably. Man, every time we go through this, like our nerd knowledge is just put to the test. And then, all right, anyway, that was my number three. Okay, it was Superman <laughs> three, not four. What's your, uh, what's your number three? Um, uh, this one I uh, talked a little bit about in an earlier episode uh, when D&D came up. Um, it's always more fun, well, at least I think so, when you've got a party of like-minded players. As a DM, like, so uh, specifically for min-maxing versus uh, RP or, or, you know, dicking around, um, I don't mind either way. You know, if you want to min-max, cool. You know, as long as everyone's on board. Uh, if you want to just dick around and, and, you know, not take it seriously and just have a good time, that's cool too, you know. As long as, you know, you're not clashing with other people. Because when somebody starts maxing themselves out in combat, if they, they want to, you know, kill monsters as fast as they can, and everybody else is taking, you know, 
uh, fluff points and and uh, RP spells that are not really going to contribute. It puts the DM in a weird situation as far as setting difficulty ratings uh, for for encounters. Because uh, if they if I make the monsters too easy, then it's not going to be fun for the min-maxer who's just going to kill it in no time. Uh, but if I make them too difficult, then the casual players are going to get one-shotted, <laughs> and it's going to be up to the min-maxer to, to carry the whole fight themselves. Uh, so it, it's just awkward for everybody involved. You know, you're you're not pleasing half the group, uh, and I mean, I'm sure there are, there are some people that make it work. I just I haven't figured out how. So, so again, like I, this is really similar to mine. I'll, I'll get into mine in a minute. But you know, as a DM, Tom, do you, is your role to kind of pick and choose the people that you bring into a group beforehand, or is it to help the group kind of find a consensus on the way they want to play, hmm. or is it to like help each person navigate how to communicate with each other about what they want? Like, what do you think is the best course of action? Uh, well, for each of our campaigns, I've been brought in as a DM. <laughs> You've already had the group. Uh, and then you just needed someone to run the game. And I think everybody has their own personal style, how they like to play. You know, you're not going to change somebody's mind or what's fun for them. So I guess it's important to find uh, people you know you jive with. So it's kind of like the pre-selection of the group, I guess. So, so this again blends into my next one. I don't know if I'm at two or three at this point because again, <laughs> like reading and writing, arithmetic, all very difficult for me. <laughs> but um, I had something along the lines of like figure out if you're going to RP or max min. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I've had groups where, like, what people really want is to like make it like a video game and try to beat the hardest boss possible. And I've had other games where people couldn't care less about that. They just want to act mm-hmm. and get to know their characters. And then other games, it's like the, I think this is probably my least favorite group, but it can be fun in the right circumstances where people just want to, you know, get drunk <laughs> and roll dice and stuff. And they don't really care about what's happening, mm-hmm. which if you're a DM is kind of frustrating because you put all this time and effort in and you kind of want them to take it seriously. <laughs> but I would say if you're, if you can't, pre-select your group like let's say it's a group of people and they want to play and you know we it ends up there are different personalities like have that discussion like create Mm -hmm. a charter and be like in the beginning hey just so you know like i know you're really into you know you person x uh really want to do max min and play by the rules but like me and this other person really want to just kind of have fun and relax and, and get into the story um like set expectations it's kind of like when you're in a relationship you know just like let people know what you want because otherwise like you said tom it's the dm's going to have a hard time trying to balance everything and no one's going to be happy mm-hmm. so so know what you want and then communicate that and let people self-select out if it's not what they want or or adapt to what the group wants mm-hmm. good advice good advice it's a good relationship advice to communicate <laughs> So what's I think that was my fourth actually I think I got one left. Do you do you have two left or one left? Uh, yeah, I have two. Okay, so you go. How about your next one then? Okay, um, so I have here try not to railroad your players because uh, I know that that's that can be easy to do when you've got the story planned out and you know a, a sequence of events uh, and you just want to get through it and you want your players to to follow the breadcrumbs. Uh, 
Um, but if, you know, if they're not biting or, you know, you can't force them to investigate something that, you know, you think is important and they have no idea, you know, they should be investigating, right? So you just got to kind of, I guess that goes back to, you know, go with the flow and find a way to uh, incorporate the story into what they're doing. As opposed to, set, you know, having a set path in mind that, you know, you you block off all other avenues except for the one uh, that you're forcing them to take. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Like, when is that the hardest to do? Uh, what do you mean? Because I, I, I mean, I was to say, boy, I kind of railroaded you there. Like, I, I'm thinking, <laughs> I know of a couple times where, like, we'll have a game, and then afterwards you'll pull me aside and be like, hey, you see these, like, 10 pages of text? And I'm like, yeah. And you're like, we're, we're never going to see those because you didn't do the thing I wanted you to do. So, like, as, as a DM, like, how do you reconcile I, that? No, that's totally fine. You know, uh, you got to kind of have to know that going into it. Um, that, you know, there's stuff that we might never see. Or if there's something really cool, maybe I'll find a way to recycle it uh, into you know, something in a later level. Um, but um, yeah, just uh, you you prepare for what you can prepare for, and a lot of the times you're going to be caught off guard. Uh, so you just gotta sort of make the narrative work around what's happening. So then I'll, I'll go to my last one. We said make the narrative work. Um, but this this is more like a tactical one. I think everything else was like philosophical. Mine is create urgency and move the story forward. Mm-hmm. So so if your players take you down a different avenue, um, find ways to push them. And I don't mean push them as in like railroad them. I mean like force them to continue exploring their own story and how they want to go. So mm-hmm. if you remember, I think you were part of a campaign I did, which was like um, – Oh boy, I want to say it was like law themed. There was like a demon that had like a a contract for a house or something, and it was cursed. Right. Do, you, do you remember this one? Yeah, I was a I was a Triton druid, uh, and I turned <laughs> I could only right. turn in, I could only turn into uh, animals that I was familiar with, and since I was a Triton, they were all aquatic. So uh, we were fighting a giant demon, and I turned into a crab. <laughs> Uh, I forgot about it, that. Yeah, it didn't work out. But so so in that particular you know episode, there was only maybe like six or seven fights, but we get mm-hmm. into this situation where, um, like for example, you have a certain amount of time to prep before one of like a wave of enemies comes, and there were a couple people out of the five who were playing who really wanted to do like some kind of like really advanced home alone shenanigans. <laughs> And it was fun for a little bit. And then, you know, it kind of, it's like a bell curve. It's fun, fun, fun. And then like the people who aren't actively involved start getting bored. Mm-hmm. So I, what I started to do is be like, okay, you, you know, you drop the paint can uh, on the rope and it's in place. Uh, by the way, you hear the monsters getting closer, you know, and then they'd be like, okay, uh, well, we want to do something else involving like, oh, we found some, some thumbtacks or something we put on the ground. Like I was letting it go because I thought it was cute and everybody was yeah. laughing and having fun. You point the blowtorch at the doorknob. Yeah, exactly. You make the doorknob really hot so that (laughs) Marv or I forgot what the other guy's name, Joe Pesci character gets his head on fire. But I'm like, and but you can see the monsters in the distance. Like you better hurry. And that so that was kind of like okay, you probably have time for one more. You know, like that kind of thing. So like I'm signaling to them like I I know I like what you're doing. I think it's fun, but you do have to move it along. (laughs) Or or another one was I ran a game where there was somebody who. 
oh boy, it was like they wanted to use like persuasion all the time and like they wouldn't take no for an answer. And like, you know, every round of fighting is supposed to be six seconds. So like I would be like okay you try it and uh, it doesn't work and like okay well I want to try it again like okay uh, go ahead and make another roll you got two more. and they would keep like trying to play that card so I finally just said okay he throws a knife at you <laughs> you know and I think this might have been one I did uh, we played a game at my office too and it just it was like forty five minutes of people preparing for stuff and at some point I was finally like. Um, because you waited so long, like now there's like double the amount of monsters outside. The, and then they're like, oh shit, okay, we got to get going. So it's so it's not saying like you can't play the way you want to play, but once you start again, like becoming kind of a selfish player where you're not providing everyone a way to be part of it, okay, let's move your part along so everybody can get back in. Right. So so create urgency, move it forward, give people space. But if they stop including everybody or there's something that's kind of going off on the side, like it is a group game. So that's where I kind of push it forward. Mm-hmm. They reminded me of uh, this last one when you were scoping out the warehouse uh, with the were rats uh, on the roof and you know, keeping an eye out and seeing you know movement or whatnot. And every time you wanted to scope it out and check. Is it another wear out enters the warehouse? Exactly. So another wear out enters. Exactly. <laughs> so it was funny. And I think it was like we were scoping it out, but then it was also one of the characters really wanted to like talk to one of the rats. <laughs> and he was like, oh, nonviolence. And then at some point you were like, uh, like you, you tried and you tried. And then at some point you're like, uh, yeah, he's pulling his sword. So he's probably not going to attack you, but he's going to attack someone else. And like, oh, 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 I guess it can't be nonviolent. He likes you, but he doesn't like your friends. <laughs> So he's going to stab him, you know, so it's, <laughs> so it's give people space, let them do it, but also like gauge the group. And when you feel the energy lulling, like find mm-hmm. a way to create urgency. Mm-hmm. All right, Tom, what's your number one? All right. So this is my biggest one. Uh, don't be a dick DM. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. Good night, uh, everyone. <laughs> and what I mean by that, you know, there's, there are those people that uh, hear the word master in the title and, and they take it to heart uh, and they just want to punish their players and see how fast they can kill them and, and just torture them. But um, I don't know. My perspective is uh, I'm, I'm running the game for the players. Right? It's, it's not about me. I'm telling a story so that they have fun. I, obviously, I'm going to have fun as well, but they're the they're the ones playing the game, right? They're the players. I am the game. They're the players. So it's like you said, you know, it's collaborative. We're all in this together. We're we're telling a a story together. And I think if you go out of your way to be a dick, you know, uh, then your players aren't going to appreciate the effort you've put in to build the world that they're in. Because they're going to resent you. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Unless that's what they want. So, like, if you're those max min players who want to like do you know like hardcore mode, like mm-hmm. I can see that. But, but I agree. Like, it's a really good point, Tom. Because a lot of DMs, you know, the way you know when they're in this mindset is when you beat one of their monsters and they're upset about it. <laughs> Damn it, you beat it. Like it, it should be. Unless you're doing it like tongue in cheek, like I do sometimes. Like I can't believe you beat that. Um, <laughs> Like it's not you're not trying to beat them. You're it's collaborative storytelling when it's really working. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you're giving the, the the setting and letting them kind of paint in some of the the areas, 
So it's not adversarial. It's it's additive. Yeah. You're uh, you're I, the star of the show. I'm just painting the picture. That's a good way to look at it. Like they're the actors and you're the director. Yeah. I mean, so you can give them direct, maybe a little less. Maybe that's too close, <laughs> actually. That means you're railroading them a little bit. <laughs> the DP. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think like above all, have fun, right? Like that's mm-hmm. like, all of these underneath it is like you're you're playing a game with people. Work with your work with your your peers. Work with your friends. Work with your players. Make it something where everybody is building on each other because that's when things are the most fun. It's like when you when you give the germ of an idea or your player does and then you work together. Like like the dolphin explosion <laughs> or the surfer dude ten minute back and forth that was like watching television. It was so good. Um, you know, it's it's always it's always that kind of thing. Yeah. We didn't really talk about Warhammer much. Wrath and glory. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't played it yet. <laughs> it's true. There's a there's a chaos version tabletop RPG, I think. I forget what that's called. That could be fun. Or that like, it's again one of those things where like you don't really want to be a chaos guy. Like their lives are pretty <laughs> terrible. Yeah. It's like playing an evil campaign. Yeah. Oh, that's another one. Evil characters. So we didn't we didn't get to that, but I think uh, honestly, my opinion is, if somebody can play it well and mm-hmm. figure out how to do it in a way that doesn't break how the other people want to play, it's okay. But honestly, mm-hmm. if I have people who want to play evil characters, I say, well, like, what are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Why is that fun for you? Let's figure it out. Because if if it's just I want to do like anti-social things like you're probably going to piss everyone else off but if it's just like you want to do things that are kind of controversial well, we can make a way to to fit that in like ferris pineapple uh, you know he's, he's a first time player so you know we've gone through a lot of the rules and uh, on officially on his character sheet i think he's uh, evil neutral evil or something uh, but then in his backstory it's like you know he uh, he's like a kleptomaniac and you know all this stuff but um, you know he does you know he has these flaws but he feels remorseful about it like he, he doesn't want to be bad so you're not technically evil right uh, that's a really I, good example because that's a flawed person who's not necessarily out to screw everyone they just have flaws yeah and you know he he wants to change right he, he regrets have the the compulsion to do bad things so you know i wouldn't maybe go so far as to say good but you know he he feels bad about it neutral at least yeah i think that's like a like a neutral maybe a true neutral Hmm. uh maybe neutral good yeah maybe evil good (laughs) that guy's nothing (laughs) um lawful Chaotic lawful. Uh, I was gonna say one Warhammer related thing, but I cannot remember for the life of me what I was gonna say. Mm. I got nothing. They put out more Death Guard stuff. I don't know. <laughs> well, you oh, know what? The create your own plague. Did you see that? The create your own plague for Death Guard. Yeah, mm-hmm. that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're rolling on a table, but still. Yeah. I. But it's it's also for campaigns. It's like your your plague. You, you choose like vector effect and uh, like damage or something. I forgot. But there's terminus. like terminus. Exactly. <laughs> of course, Tom. <laughs> vector terminus. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. I, I like where their heads at. Yeah. 
so look, we're not always going to talk about Warhammer. That's that's just the reality of the situation, I guess. <laughs> and uh, that's the case for today. We talked about role playing. You know, we gave you some some options to do it right. Let us know how they work out. Have some fun, you know, or don't. Really, every country, I guess. <laughs> or don't. Or don't. Totally up to you. But what do you think, Tom? That feels like a complete episode. Yeah. yeah. I'll give it a give it a B plus. B, eh, maybe. <laughs> it depends on the audience, right? Like if that's a if you like Dungeons and Dragons and role playing, you're really into it. If you don't, then you know, go fuck yourself. I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everyone, guys. Why am I listening to this episode? <laughs> I thought this was about knitting. <laughs> Make that very clear in the title and description. Uh, Murray! Oh, those are his panels. I don't, I don't know why that was the thing that I went to. <laughs> um, blame it on the exhaustion, because we always record these on Friday nights, and sometimes Fridays are easier than others. Yeah, it's been a long week. Um, all right, well... Thanks for listening. As always, mash and like and subscribe and send All us right. your comments. More importantly, send us your comments. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're social guys. Like, we love doing this. So if there's something you're interested in, we'd love to analyze it and, and hear your thoughts as well. But with that, tell I'm, us we suck. Tell us we suck. Well, you, that would hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah. You got to be able tell to laugh Tom at yourself. You, right? <laughs> you can't take yourself too seriously. But everyone tells me I suck all the time. <laughs> You know what? Ramiel has inspiration the next time we meet. Okay, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Fine, tell us we suck. Be like, God <laughs> damn it, I cannot listen to your droning voices one more time. <laughs> so, uh, good fight, good night. <laughs> Adios, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>